0: morning.
1: The countdown clock caught me. I was still talking, I know y'all are surprised about that. (laughs) But good morning to those of you who are here, good morning to our internet audience. Uh, We welcome any visitors we have. If you uh, need to know where something is or where to get to, just tap somebody, ask somebody. Somebody will gladly help you get where you need to go. We just appreciate you being here. For giving, as usual, we've got the box on the back and mail, and then we've got the good old internet that you can go to and do that, however you'd like to do it. A little announcement today, we've got a council meeting at two o'clock. So if you're on the council, you'll need to get you a meal and come back and meet with us at two o'clock. Skip your nap or get your nap in between, skip your meal and take a nap. That'll work, that'll work. (laughs) Wednesday, October 19th at 6.30, we'll have Bible study with Pastor Ray Owens. Uh, Next Sunday, we'll have worship service with Pastor Ray Owens. Grace Place will be October 31st, and we need a few more boxes of the oatmeal cream pies that we take up and take over there for our dessert. And of course, anybody that wants to volunteer and help over there is very welcome. What time do they get need to be there if they're going?
2: If they're gonna serve eleven, if,
1: if you're cooking and helping out, it's about 9.30. Okay, 9.30 if you're cooking and helping out, 11 if you're gonna help serve. Um, and then we've got the Operation Christmas Child boxes, remember, going on. So we need more shoe boxes to be filled. Donate. We need donations for postage and um, That's just as helpful too, by the way, because we get a lot of people fill the boxes, but then as you know how much postage is right now, it helps, so if you're not into the filling the boxes, please give and uh, give some money so that we can get those sent over where they need to be. And right now, we're gonna go to worship in song.
0: Won't you stand with us as we start our service this morning with God is good all the time. A child of God. I am a child of God.
3: Die for me. Yes, he died for me. The sun sets free. Oh, free free indeed. I'm a child of God. Yes, I
0: It. <laughs> Children, you can go to your classes now, if you will.
1: That we're doing the dedication Are you wanting to go ahead and do that Or would you like for me to Do our prayer request And then you can do the dedication Okay go All right, here we we go go. (laughs) We have um, Several prayer requests here Today Um, I'd like for you to look over these Take this home Don't just pray today pray throughout the week Pray for these people put them on your heart god knows all about what's needed we uh, especially pray for Lindsay and adam's family today they uh, lindsey lost her aunt this week and i just pray that you be with them and give them comfort and strength and peace and uh all that goes with that lord thank you um we've got like i said there's several on here our missions and we've got our missions trip planned I believe, are y'all leaving tuesday leaving tuesday so we will definitely be keeping y'all in prayer um i'd like to what we i'd like to go ahead and have our dedication of our missions workers that are going on the trip let's go ahead and have them come up so that we can pray for y'all have special prayer and then we'll introduce our special guests that we have. I'm going to let Pastor Ray introduce them, but I want to let y'all know that I've known these people a long time.
2: Well, tell us all about them before I let Carvin talk.
1: Casey told me I could tell everything, oh, okay. but I'm not going to. Let's see what
2: time.
1: We go way, way back. It's a precious, precious family. Uh, we love Kevin. We love Casey, and all the all the rest of them. They've been in our school. We went to school together. All of that. So. Uh, his introduction won't be near what i can say about y'all but right now we want to focus on dedicating these precious people that are going on a trip to guatemala
2: i'm going to ask Carvin if he would to come up Uh, we're so blessed to have Carvin in our church and uh, share a little bit about what they're going to be doing so that we're all updated on that we actually have nine going i kept saying eight but Carvin's one of us and he counts. So we got nine going by faith. So, Carvin, share with you.
4: It's a privilege to be able to share with you this morning what uh, we plan for the next uh, eight days. Uh, a special thanks to the church. You have helped uh, eight of these with their fees. I raised my own money for my trips, but uh, special thanks for our mission team who put uh, each one of these in uh, the budget. Sandy's not able to be with us this morning, but our plan is to leave uh, West Monroe 730 on Tuesday, get into Guatemala City about uh, 12 hours later. Our ministry will be to the children this time. We'll be working two days in the orphanage, painting it, two days putting together large uh, playground equipment for children's ministry. We'll visit two churches, one is basically a mestizo church, part Mayan and part uh, Spanish. The other will probably be a Mayan church. And then we have a couple of days of uh, touring and shopping. That's the only way I could get these people signed up. Was to throw that in. But uh, we deeply appreciate your prayers. It's going to be one of our easiest trips as far as uh, work—not a, a lot of physical work like we've done in the past, building churches and wooden houses and the such. But that's basically our plan. We go to be a blessing to the church, to uh, build on the unity within God's family that regardless of where we're from, we're all one in Christ. So uh, we do appreciate your prayers.
2: Uh, also, Sandy's plan on going, as you know, uh, really has been struggling with health. Sandy, I know you're watching. We love you. Uh, so. She's just by faith saying she's going to go. So that's part of it Uh, is if anybody's on the, I know a couple of you on the missions committee, but Carolyn, if you'd come up, some of the others, anybody on the missions committee that's here today, come on up. Sister Ray. Thank you, Dale. If y'all would just kind of get around them and we'll, we'll just pray a prayer of dedication you know, we can do all the work we want to do, brothers and sisters. We can put the energy in and there has, but unless God's in it, it's not really going to be all that that it should be. And so we want God to anoint this trip, anoint carbon or the ministry, anoint safety. So let's pray together. Would you bow with me? Father, it's a joy to come to you this morning, especially as we Dedicate these, our missionaries, uh, to go on this trip, Lord. I pray, Father, as we already have been praying, that you would just preordain every single thing that's done. Lord, just be with the flight, the trip, the transfers. Father God, uh, prepare the people there. Lord, may there be excitement. Uh, Father, prepare uh, our missionaries. Touch all of their bodies, Lord, Sandy, all of them, Lord, just touch them in a mighty way. God, I pray for health, for a miracle, for your touch. Lord, especially to the workers there, those who serve so faithfully in Guatemala, for those precious children and the orphans. Lord, I just pray that the love that we have here for them would just shine out. and Lord, that you would anoint each of these going and they would literally be Your missionaries, your hands, your feet, that, Lord, the love of Jesus would literally flow through them like it's never flowed before. Father, I pray for that. God, I thank you for this church family and its commitment. I pray for every single thing that's done. And, Lord, if it be your will, may some come to the kingdom. May many be encouraged. May Satan be defeated. Father, and we just plan on hearing uh, Wednesday night week some great testimonies of your work, and we believe this by faith, we trust it, and we claim it. And it's all because of you, Jesus, and what you've done in our lives and what you've done for every person's lives. And God, we love you, and we praise you, and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Thank you, thank you, thank you, as you go. What a crew church our size having that many folks going that's that's amazing. That's amazing. Uh in case you don't know I I I wanted to update you. Uh Larry Worsham uh is always back there. Poor Mike's handling it for us. Thank you Mike. I want to thank you but Larry has had as you know renal failure and, and some other health struggles and um and I know that he wouldn't mind me sharing. He just wants to leave it in God's hands. He's not wanting to do any extraordinary things uh, for this process. I've had a long talk with him. I love that he's ready to go home. Uh, I'm a little selfish and so are a few of you. I'm sure we want to keep him a little while. And so I know God's able to do that. God's able to do beyond what we can ask or think. So I'm asking for a miracle. Uh, But I always say, nevertheless, your will be done, Lord. But Larry's in the hospital. Uh, I hope to go see him uh, this afternoon. But really pray for him. Um, unless the Lord intervenes in a mighty way, you know, this is uh, this is not gonna be good. So from a physical standpoint, pray for Priscilla too uh, through this process. They were in the ER and all that and half the night until he got a room at St. Francis. So uh, just really be in prayer for him and love on him and the family so I just wanted to share that with you as well okay just love Larry one of a kind Uh, I'm excited nobody's more excited that Kevin and uh, Casey are here than me okay because I get to sit there and hear a sermon I'm excited and uh, it was just wonderful I I know y'all saw a running late I got in about midnight last night and and just some other things going on, and Larry's not the only one in the, in the hospital. I, I need to see somebody in ICU as well. So it's just a lot going on this morning, and it is awesome to be here, to be able to relax and hear the word of God. Um, Kevin, well, you already know that they're from West Monroe, I think. And we kind of shared that because poor Barbara telling us what she did about all that. And I've even had people tell me, Casey, that you got to, you're an amazing Christian. you're witness th- that you didn't cut their hair, but you were in the place where the hair was cut, and they knew you were Christian. That says a lot. And Kevin, both of you just get top notch uh, ratings and, and uh, references from my good friend Tim uh, Mosher, and uh, so we just we are excited about that. I'm going to let. Uh, Kevin come up and share a little bit about his family and story and then the message all of you have the outline and I don't know if we've got it up or not but you have it on the back it is text so if you would oh Casey that's oh my goodness yes I will never we were so excited you she's gonna sing. she's gonna sing for us first so come on up I hope we got this set up for you awesome.
5: Any time I have been asked because my mother made us as children, and now I get to sing for the Lord anytime I'm asked, and actually, several years ago, I sang here with a group. Um, but today, um, Kevin asked me if I wanted to, and I said, "Well, I need to, because about three years ago, um, Kevin and I were at broken bow in Oklahoma. And we met a little couple there We were sitting at the table And they had a beautiful girl that was a year old And we just kind of got to talking Karis was the mother's name And Tyler was the dad's name And Vivi was the baby's name And um, we just kind of just, I was instantly drawn to this little sweet young couple And so I friended her on Facebook And we talked from time to time And last week I saw a post that she made, and it started out by saying, I can't even put into words. And I read on, and it was obituary for her 31-year-old husband who was killed in a car wreck. And I just messaged her, and I said, baby, I am so sorry. I cannot imagine. And she said, Miss Casey, just please pray for me and my girls. We're just asking the Lord for strength right now. And I said, well, he will be your strength. And I'm so thankful that I had grandparents and parents that taught me to run to the Father. At any time we need him, he is there for us.
0: To let it all go, I see it now. I'm late. My soul needs a friend. So I'll run to the Father again and again and again and again. oh, oh. oh, oh. You saw my condition. son for redemption. The price for my heart. And I don't have a context for that kind of love. I don't understand. I can't comprehend all My soul needs a friend, so I run to the Father. Run i f-
6: Okay, good. Good morning, everybody. We are so glad to be here with y'all this morning. And I know there's a camera that may or may not be... I'm going to do my best. Casey says I, I wander a lot when I preach. so I'm gonna, Okay, okay, good. Good, I was afraid that I, I can't speak if I'm not talking. I mean, I can't walk and talk. Whatever, I can't. I'm not very coordinated. Um, but anyway, I, we, we are so very glad to be here with y'all this morning, worship with y'all this morning. Uh, as Brother Ray mentioned, we, this is home for us. Um, again, my name is Kevin Meyer. My wife's Casey. Um, most people just know me as Casey's husband. Uh, she's the uno- she, she was, before we moved, the unofficial mayor of West Monroe. And, you know, if I just went, I'm Casey's husband. Oh, yeah, okay, I know, I've heard about you. Um, <laughs> contemplating changing my name to just Casey's husband, it would make things a lot easier. Uh, no joke. This has nothing to do with what I'm talking about this morning. I know we were in Atlanta one time when the kids were little. Atlanta. It, and she's at a mall with the kids and runs into somebody she knows from West Monroe. So, that, that's just that's just who she is. She knows everybody. But we are so glad to be here with you this morning. Um, as Brother Ray mentioned, um, we, West Monroe is home for us. We've been here uh, most of our lives um, before I, I used to work at the paper mill up in Cross it before their big shutdown. Uh, I had lived here most of my life. Casey had lived here all of her life. And then we heard that announcement that Cross was shutting down operations. It kind of turned our world upside down. Uh, We were out in the wilderness in Panama City Beach for about not quite a year before uh, God brought us a little bit closer to home. We, We weren't too smart. We decided to make a move back near home we live in sheridan arkansas now but we we decided to do that right in the middle and the beginning of the pandemic so that's that's not something i would suggest to anybody trying to make a move uh... in the middle of a pandemic so but we are thankful to be here this morning thankful that that we're a little bit closer to home and uh... Um, again uh... not not only uh... the connection with tim tim has uh... wonderful things to say about this church we've had connections Casey was talking about how our all of our kids and grandkids probably came up through the, the the daycare here, so we've got a lot of fond memories of this church and, and the ministry y'all have provided. So, um, just it's just a blessing to be here, and I hope in a few minutes that I've got this morning I I, I can. Uh, adequately share what what God has kind of placed on my heart this morning so um, I, I do do thank for the opportunity thankful that uh, brother Ray gave me a call and I'm glad to just God's providence about how things so busy for you this weekend how it just worked out so that's just fantastic just a another another proclamation of how good God is and how he works things out and he knows he knows where our struggles at and he knows where we need help so I'm, I'm happy to help uh, this morning. Uh, this morning I, and I think you've got it in your notes this morning uh, I, I decided uh, that I would speak this morning about truth and uh, uh, truth is is one of those things especially in this day and age that uh, there's a lot of contradiction when it comes to truth. Not in truth itself, but a lot of times how we deal with truth or what we think about truth, society as a whole, what we, we think about truth. So on the one hand, truth is something most people, if you asked them, they would hold in high regard. Right? If you are speaking with your family, you want honesty from them. If you go to the doctor's office, even if you don't like what he says, you want him to shoot you straight, right? We expect as best as we possibly can within our judicial system. We, we hope when we go to court or we experience court situations that the truth comes out and then the best that we possibly can, justice is served. We, we, we put a high price on that. We expect that um, whenever we open up the newspaper, um, that what we read is what it actually is going to happen if we open a reference book what we read is actually what the truth is so across the board there's this overlying kind of idea that truth is important right we expect it from our family we expect it at the jobs we work at Uh, we expect it in the courtroom we expect it from our politicians no, we, we don't really expect that from our politicians necessarily. That's not a great example. We would really like it if we had truth from our politicians, but we don't, maybe we don't necessarily expect it. That's, that's not necessarily an expectation we have. So there's, in general, on the one hand, there's this high value that we place on truth as a society. And it's not limited to, to us sitting here and here this morning, right? Society as a whole, culture as a whole, kind of places a high value that what is true is true except when you start talking about things like morality religion things around eternity then there's a lot of folks that'll step back and say well you you can't know what truth is in those situations right truth is not absolute for everybody when it comes to those type situations what's good for me may not be good for you and what's good for you may not be good for her. There's there are all these variables here you can't say what is morally right and what is morally wrong who are you to kind of put those kind of limits on me so on the one hand we've got this contradiction where truth is really important unless we're talking about how we should live, then oh, we we can't place that much importance on what truth is. There's a contradiction there. In fact, some people will even go so far saying there's no absolute truth. There's nothing that's true. There's nothing that's absolute. I'm going to lose my paper here. There's nothing that's absolute. There's nothing that's true. And there's this contradiction that we see in society. There's a contradiction that we see in the culture around us. Right? There's All this importance that we place on truth, except the most important things in our lives how we should live, how we should serve, how we should, who we should worship, all right? Um, What is eternity all about, right? There's all these questions that we think, oh, truth is that important, unless we start trying to dictate or proclaim God's truth in this society, all right? And I meant, you know, I I named today's sermon, I said, what is truth? I could have easily said, uh, who gets to define truth or what does society think truth is? And uh, I know those are probably deep philosophical and theological questions, but it's really not that complicated, right? The truth that is universal, the truth that is important is God's truth. He is the maker and creator of all truth. He is the one who defines what truth is. Uh, But sometimes society has a hard time looking at that. So we've got to, as his body of believers, as his disciples, we have to make sure that we are not only aware of what truth is, but we've got to guard our hearts against those who would say You don't know what truth is. You can't can't come at me and tell me what truth is, right? Because, again, what's true for you may not be truth for me, right? There's a whole bunch of relativism that's at play there, right? So we've got to be able to defend that, right? We've got to be able to give a good defense of not only what we believe, but why we believe what we believe, right? And we've got to be strong in that. So as we're going through today talking about trying to answer the question, what is truth? I thought it would be good the, to, to begin and maybe outline some things that truth is not. And I think in your outline there, I probably didn't get a good, do a good job of filling in the blanks there, but maybe that'll give you something to do while I'm up here talking, right? Uh, I'll try to lead you through what some of those blanks are. So what are the three things that truth is not? The first thing, truth is not changing, it's solid. It's unchanging. It doesn't change on based where, are, where you grew up, how much money you have, what kind of education you have. Truth is absolute. Now that doesn't mean we don't learn new things, right, as people, right? At one time it was thought that the Sun and the planets and the whole solar system revolved around the Earth, right? And we learned over time, well that's not the case. The planets, they revolve around the Sun. That's why they call it a solar system, right? The fact that we didn't know what the truth was didn't change that the truth was true. And even if we don't know it and we haven't realized it yet, truth is truth. It's unchanging and it isn't dependent on us. Second thing, truth is not our own. Now I'm going to share with you, you don't know me from Adam, but I'm going to share with you a little pet peeve I've got with you this morning. Whenever I hear the phrase, I'm speaking my truth, or I'm living my truth, that's just like nails on a chalkboard. And I would encourage you this morning, if you use those phrases, or if you know somebody that uses those phrases, stop immediately. Because when we say things like, I have my own truth, all right, it undermines God's authority as the maker and creator of all truth. He's the one that creates truth. We don't have the benefit of our own truth, right? We have experiences. We have knowledge. We have opinions. We have a story, okay? And we have a story, and that's important, and it has value. But it doesn't define truth. It just defines our experience in that truth, right? So truth is not changing. Truth is not our own And the third thing that truth is not, truth is not defined by those around us, right? It's not defined by our family. It's not defined by our friends. Um, Yes, the Bible tells us that we should seek out wise counsel, right? But that's based on the premise that the people that we are seeking wise counsel from are also seeking wise counsel, right? And let me just share with you, I don't want to burst anybody's bubble in here, CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, your Facebook feed, uh, uh, TikTok, those aren't wise counsel. I I just, I I didn't know if that was an expectation on anybody, but those are not sources of wise counsel. All right. Absolute authority, moral truth, uh, those things are probably the furthest thing from it, right? So, um, That third, what truth is not, is kind of where I wanted to kind of focus our our discussion on this morning, right? Uh, Mm. Making sure we guard ourselves, making sure we guard our heart against what other people say truth is, right? Now... um, There's a lot of talk about how culture looks at things and and how they define things, and if you do turn on the TV, if you do read newspapers, if you do look at your Facebook feed, you can probably find a lot of stories about how culture uh, is attacking and is against the church. right? Maybe more so than any other time in your your lifetime. I know more so than in any other point in my own life. But we shouldn't be surprised by that, right? Jesus said the world hated him and they will hate his church as well. We should expect those things. We, we should expect it. Not that we hate culture, but we don't want the culture to influence us. I'm so glad to be a part of, of the dedication and just... What an awesome representation. Nine folks from church here going to Guatemala. I mean, that is uh, fantastic obedience to God. And uh, I just, uh, if you're not already applauding that, that's just fantastic for a church of any size to have nine people uh, head over to another country. And if you've never gone to another country, it can be, it can. It can be a little unnerving thing. I've, I've had to travel out of the country a few times, and it's, one, say what you will about the U.S. of A., once you leave, you're like, ah, it's not that bad. <laughs> you know, if, no matter what your opinion is, when you, when you get outside the 50 states, uh, there's, a, there's a greater appreciation for what we have at home. So that is fantastic. Um, but what if you aren't in a situation where you can go to Guatemala? What if you're not in a situation where you can go to the jungles of Peru, right? That doesn't lessen the mission field that you have outside of these four, four walls and outside those doors, right? Uh, as Brother Tim would always say, your mission begins now at the end of every, every service, right? Because what we gain here, what we learn about, and how we gain knowledge about the Lord Jesus Christ, then we use that to affect the culture. All right. Truth isn't any good if we're not going to go out and use it. And we're not going to preach it. And we're not going to proclaim it. So we can't avoid the culture, all right? And we're not called to avoid the culture. I know a lot of churches, it's real simple. Let's close those doors and if they want Jesus, they can come through those doors and we'll yeah, you know, we'll tell them all about it, but we're not going to go out there. I've been part of churches like that. We are called to minister to the world we're called not to be in the world but to be of it and we've got to minister and that's a challenge for every single one of us right especially going into a hostile environment it can be a challenge but that's what we're going to look at today how do we minister to the culture without the culture having a negative impact on us all right? and that's always been a problem for God's people culture having a negative impact uh, on his people right When uh, God made a promise to Abram, saying, I will make you a great nation. And Abram's like, I'm old, my wife's old, I don't know how you're going to do this, Lord. And they couldn't see the fact that God was going to do a mighty work through them, right? So what did they do? They took matters into their own hand, right? They followed the culture of the day and said, Oh, this is what God must want us to do. We won't necessarily listen to what he's saying, but we'll try to put in action what he wants to do. So they got Sarah's handmaid Hagar, and they decided to have a lineage that way. And that is not what God designed, right? They, tried to take, they listened to the culture and thought they were doing the right thing. In doing the right thing, they were doing the wrong thing because they let culture define and override what God was trying to do in their lives. David, King David, a man after God's own heart, right? Defined like that, before, during, and after his life, the Scripture talks about how David was a man after God's own heart. Even he, right, in in his riches, in his success as a leader of a king, decided one night when other kings were out fighting battles he let the culture say hey you've earned the right you've done enough David why don't you stay home from the battles and when he does he's walking out sees Bathsheba decides he wants Bathsheba Decides so much that he wants Bathsheba he kills her husband right he let the culture define that hey you've earned this God's placed you in this you have a right to the whatever you want and he let culture define how he should act even King Solomon the wisest man ever right? He was corrupted by all the wives he had. That's, that's not an implication on wives. That's that, don't get that from that. Don't say Kevin doesn't like Casey. That's not what he got from. But he married so many wives that did not honor and worship God. He was drawn away from that. He was drawn into idolatry. He was drawn into paganism, the wisest man ever. So, there's always this watch out, this lookout of making sure that culture doesn't infiltrate the church and God's people. Now, I've got a little statistics in there that's in your notes. And you may not know who George Barna is, right? But he, if you do know, if you don't know, he's a Christian statistician. He does a lot of studies on church, church culture, and things like this. And I thought this was part of a book he put out earlier this year that I read, the American Worldview Survey. And I thought it was interesting. Of course, I'm, I'm a nerd. I'm a geek. I like numbers. Numbers may not be your thing. I understand. But I thought these statistics were, they were telling, and, and they, they were really scary, okay, in, in a lot of senses. Now, the first statistic there is that 69% of all Americans would identify themselves as Christians. That's 176 million people, 69 percent. Now it would be better if that number were 100, right? But at least it's a majority, right? When you look at that, that's 69 percent. I'd like it to be more, but thank goodness it's not a minority number. But as he began digging into that number and he began asking questions about everybody who identifies as Christians, He came up with some really startling information based on that. Of that 176 million people that identify themselves as Christian, 72% would argue people are basically good. Which is a complete contradiction of the gospel message is that we aren't good in and of ourselves. In fact, there is no good in us. The only good that is in us is that God, when we accept Jesus as our Lord Savior, the God that lives in us. So 72% would say, people are basically good, more or less. 71% would consider input from family and friends as their most trusted moral source. Not the word of God, not wise counsel, but their family and friends. 64% say all religious faiths are equal. All paths lead to God. I don't know if you've ever heard that argument before that, you know, uh, all God... You know, every, every religion leads to the same path. They all lead to God. Now, this is 64% of people who say they are Christians. 58% say if a person is good enough, they can earn their way into heaven. Fifth, this is the this is a a same percentage. 58% say the Holy Spirit is not real, wow. that he is merely a symbol of God's presence. The third person of the Trinity, that's foundational Christianity, 58% of people who say they are Christians say the Holy Spirit is not real. 57 believe in karma. Uh, not just if you do something bad, something bad happens to you. They believe in actual karma, the reincarnation of your life. If you do something bad, you come back as a slug or a toad or something. 57% of people who say they are Christians believe in that. believe determining moral truth is up to each individual. There's not an absolute truth. It changes for every individual. 52% believe that. Also, less than half think that God's definition of marriage is restricted to one man and one woman. Only 32% think that premarital sex is a sin. And only 28% think that the best indicator of life is... A life well lived is consistent obedience to God. Now, regardless of what you might think about polls and studies and statistics, and you might say, "Well, Kevin, you can you can make you can make numbers say anything you want to, right? You can paint whatever picture um, you want to by whatever statistic you might claim." And I I wouldn't agree with that. But I look at it in my own life, and I'm looking around at the lives of people that I know who proclaim to be Christians, and I look at at my own life, before Jesus was Lord and Savior of my life, before I realized I even needed a Savior, and before I accepted the gospel message, I would have believed a lot of these things, and I would have called myself a Christian. So I think there's some validity there. I think there is a definite risk for culture having a greater impact on the church than the church having a greater impact on the culture. So how do we stand up to that? How do we make a proclamation of truth? How do we go outside these four walls? How do we go outside those doors when we're at Walmart this week, uh, when we're at, uh, at lunch this afternoon, uh, when we're with our family and friends who don't know Jesus? How do we make an impact on them? Because we may not go out into the mission field, but every single one of us is probably going to go out to those mission fields this week, right? And we have the opportunity every time we encounter the the world and the culture, we have an opportunity to make an impact for Christ. How do we know what is true and what God demands um, in our lives and for the world? Now, the passage I'm going to look at today uh, is also, I think, on your insert. Uh, But if you have your Bibles with you and you you don't have your insert, we're going to be in the book of Jude, right? Um, And and that may or may not be a book that you go to a lot. I'll be honest with you. I don't go into Jude a lot as maybe some of the other books. But uh, Jude um, is a a really good um, mirror, I said earlier how uh, culture having a negative influence on God's people has always been a challenge from day one. Well, Jude is a real good, if you want, alarm system, a warning system that Jude is writing to believers uh, against folks that would come in or that are trying to come in and proclaim a false gospel. Uh, They're using the liberty of, of grace as a ticket to do anything they want to. Uh, They are trying to add to the gospel message. Uh, They're trying to indulge what they want, and they're having a negative influence on the church. And just as a background, um, you know, Jude is, uh, we'll read here in a minute, how he he would love to be able to write to them and talk about how great things are in fellowship, but there's some more important things that he needs to address. So starting in verse 3. And we're going to read 3 through 10, and then we'll jump over and get 17 through 23. Starting in verse 3, it says, Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we shared, I felt I had to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints. For certain men whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are godless men who changed the grace of our God into a license for immorality and denied Jesus Christ, our only sovereign Lord. Though you already know this, I want to remind you that the Lord delivered His people out of Egypt, but later destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who did not keep their positions of authority but abandoned their own home, these He has kept in darkness, bound with everlasting change for judgment on the great day." In a similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. They serve as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire. In the very same way, these dreamers pollute their own bodies, rejecting authority, slander celestial beings. But even the archangel, even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not dare to bring on slanderous accusations against him, but said, The Lord rebuke you. Yet these men speak abusively against whatever they do not understand and what things they do understand by instinct, like reasonable, and unreasoning animals. These are the very things that destroy them. And then jumping over to verse 17. But dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, in the last times there will be scoffers who will follow their own godly desires. These are the men who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the Spirit. But you, dear friends, build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Be merciful to those who doubt. Snatch others from the fire and save them. To others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. So as I mentioned a minute ago, Jude starts off this letter wanting to talk about uh, and fellowship and rejoice in the salvation they have in Lord Jesus Christ. But he's got something a little more pressing that's got to take place, all right? There's something, an urgent matter that he has to be addressed. So how many of you know that at times, as much as you might enjoy fellowship with one another, there are times when we have to correct and give direction to each other, right? and give guidance to one another. It's part of that wise counsel uh, that I was talking about earlier, right? Um, That we've got to know what truth is, right? Um, And we've got to look to the Word of God to know what that truth is and define what truth is. I think it's ironic in this day and age when we have the greatest access to the Bible, uh, more so than in any other time in human history, we probably know at least among everybody in all of human history, right? You literally, I didn't have my phone with me, but you can carry the Bible with you everywhere you go, right? And say what you will about those things. I bet you leave your house with your keys, your wallets. You can't find your your glasses because they're up on the head, but you're not going to leave home without that cell phone. I I pretty much guarantee it. We're all kind of creatures of that. We have an access and opportunity to God's Word almost 24-7. But... How, how much of a shame is it that we don't uh, always know what God's, worth, uh, God's Word tells us. So, Jews writing against these enlightened Christians, I'm going to use quotes there, who who want to replace the gospel message with a false gospel. Um, they want to reject the authority of God. They want to reject the, the sovereignty of God and His control. Um, and they're proclaiming a different gospel message. Um, Jude says they're allowing uh, their own desires to take over. The, they're presenting a gospel message that is Jesus plus or sometimes doesn't even involve Jesus, right? So there's four things I want to touch upon today as, as, as we get, get near our time end of our time this morning. There's four things I want to touch upon, ways in which the culture can have a negative impact on us as the church and what God says in in response to those false claims that the culture would make. The first one is that culture says salvation is earned by good works. God says we can't earn our salvation. And we touched upon this a little bit earlier. Um, But Romans 3.23 says uh, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God in Ephesians 2 it says it's by grace that you have been saved through faith and this not from yourself it is a gift of God not by works so that no one can boast if you look at any point in human history it's impossible to say that people are basically good right Um, if you think people are basically good you've ignored all the wars, the torture uh, the human misery that has taken place at the hands of other humans uh, you'd have to make a big leap of uh, faith to conclude that humans are basically good. But I think it's a, it's, it's a challenge uh, for people to admit that they need God. I think that's the biggest hurdle in accepting the gospel message is that I need a Savior. Our pride is the biggest roadblock in getting in the way of accepting God's grace Uh, and His gift of mercy and accepting that we need a Lord and Savior. My sin is too great and there's nothing I can do to overcome my sin to put me back into a right relationship with God. I needed Jesus. I need His grace. I need His love. I need His mercy. And I think that's the biggest uh, hurdle in people not, I know that was my biggest hurdle in accepting the gospel message. What do you mean? I'm a pretty good person. I'm sure I'll do good enough to get into heaven. I'm sure those scales will even out, right? No, the scales are tipped against me forever. And there's no way I can even I could even, even it out, much less overcome the sentence in my life. There's nothing that I can do, right? I've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So that is one of the biggest hurdles, one of the biggest lies the culture will tell us is that, you know, hey, if you're basically a good person, you earn enough credits in heaven and earn your way into heaven. But we have to come into the reality there. If we say that, we mock the death that Jesus died on the cross. Why did Jesus die on the cross if not for our sins? All right. If we say that we're good enough and we do enough... Then why did Jesus have to die? It makes a mockery of his death on the cross. Um, And we have to always remember that God is everything and he is enough. The world may try to sell Jesus plus something else, which is a false gospel. But when it comes down to it, it's only Jesus. It's not Jesus plus me being really good. It's not Jesus plus if I just read my Bible. All right. It's not Jesus plus if I just come to church on Sunday. It's Jesus, right? There's nothing that we can do. Now, yes, again, don't leave here saying, Kevin Meyer saying, don't read your Bible and don't come to church. That's not what I'm saying. It's that we come to worship one another with, with one another, worship God in rejoicing for what God has done for us. We get to, right? I heard that twice this morning. I don't have to. I get to come to church. And i said it myself, all right? I don't have to read my Bible. I get to read my Bible and learn more about God and His, and His plan for us. So, there's this danger that Jude is writing about, how this irreverence for God's authority, that these people are placing themselves in the same authority that is reserved for God. And that hits upon the second item that I want to touch upon this morning. Culture says that the authority for moral truth is me. God says that he is the author and maker of all truth, right? When people say that they are defining what truth is and what moral truth is, they're basically saying God's authority doesn't apply to me. Men, let me ask you, I don't want you to raise your hand, but if you're spending your time uh, looking at other women, if your phone spends time going to sites that it doesn't need to go to, and we use the excuse of, well that's just the way God made me, I'm a visual creature and I just do those things, We make a mockery of God's authority, and we say, God's authority doesn't apply to me. If you cheat on your taxes because, you know what, the government gets enough of my money anyway, and I'm not going to give them any more of that, and I knowingly cheat on my taxes, then aren't you saying that God's authority doesn't apply to you? And if someone makes the argument, the premise that a woman can do with whatever she wants with her body with a disregard to human life or the life that's inside her... Aren't they just saying, God's authority doesn't apply to me? Um, The decisions we make have an impact not only on us, but on our family as well, right? I, Casey, and I have blessed us with three children and five grandchildren. We just got a new one, all right? But God has given us the responsibility of leading those young people, now older people, young grandchildren and create an example for them. Our responsibility didn't end when our kids turned 18 and they moved out, right? There's a continual process that we are supposed to uphold God's truth. That is the um, responsibility that God has given us in blessing us with a family and we can't ignore that. We can't want to make our lives easy for our kids by allowing society to define how I should raise those kids. I've got to do what God says, and I've got to raise up my family and be a spiritual leader for my family that God has defined uh, for me in my life. We can't put ourselves in the place of God, right? That was the problem these false teachers were doing. They were setting themselves as as idols and false gods in comparison to God's Word. As His children... We are set. We are. We are to be set apart as His disciples. We are set apart by God's truth because God is everything and He is enough. All right. The third third item I want to touch upon is that culture says that feeling good and my happiness is the definition of success. God says success is dictated by my obedience to Him. All right. Um, probably the biggest lie that you will hear in the world today is right is just follow your heart just just follow your heart do what your heart tells you you know, and you know what the Bible says about that? In Jeremiah, God says, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. If we're led by a heart, then we're led by our sin nature. All right? uh, the Proverbs writer Solomon wrote, Hey, above else, guard your heart. Don't follow your heart. Guard your heart. And I wonder if you've seen in your own life, I know I have, how many bad decisions have been made because someone decided to follow their heart. How many marriages have been torn apart because one or both people decided to follow their heart? All right. how, many, how many families were torn apart? How many careers were torn apart? Um, how many church splits have occurred because someone or someones decided to follow their own heart's desire instead of following after God? Our measure of success is our obedience to God. Our ultimate purpose is to be His children. And God's desire is that none should perish and everyone should come to repentance. In 1 John chapter 2, it says, I know, "...the man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands, is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But if anyway, anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him." This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. That's the ultimate definition of success. It's not uh, a large 401k. It's not traveling the world in your RV when you retire. Uh, It's not a second home on the lake. It's how did I obey God and how much did I obey his calling in my life. We've got to remember that God is everything and God is enough. And finally, I know, everybody likes that. Finally, we, you know that we were near the end, right? So everybody, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm going to perk up now. Okay, finally, culture says that all paths lead to God. God says Christ is the only way to him, right? We touched upon this earlier, but Jesus said to Thomas, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. The world would like to tell you that Christianity is very narrow-minded. And my response would be, yes, thank you. Thank you for recognizing that. It is narrow-minded in the fact that it isn't tossed and turned by the flavor of the day, right? Jesus is constant. The gospel message is constant. He is the only way. To the Father, right? And everybody would say, well, that's exclusionary, right? Jesus' claim as the Messiah? Yes, they are exclusionary. But at the same time, the gospel message is the most inclusive message the world has ever seen. Because it doesn't matter how rich or poor or what circumstances you were born in, it doesn't matter how much you have, it doesn't matter how smart you are, our sin is the great equalizer. And Jesus died so that we would have the opportunity to be forgiven of those sins. So that we could have uh, communion with the Father as he designed. It's the great equalizer. So yeah... Jesus is the only way, yes, that's exclusive, but it's open to everyone, and it's not dependent upon how good I am to be able to come to the Father. It doesn't matter how bad I've been, I can still come to the Father, I can still come to the cross, and that's the beauty of the gospel message. Yes, Jesus is the only way, but it's open to everyone, and it's not dependent on me. Thank goodness, it's not dependent upon me. Everyone can approach the throne of grace and we can do so with confidence because Jesus paid the price so in closing there's something that Jude points out at the end of that passage and I don't know if you picked up on it but in verse 22 he says be merciful to those who doubt snatch others from the fire and save them To others, show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. So, what are we supposed to do with this truth? All right? What do we do with this truth? As, As I mentioned earlier, it's not enough to have the truth. We've got to do something with that truth. We've got to proclaim to the world what that truth is, right? And I think we take the message uh, that Jesus proclaimed that we are supposed to love one another. We love the world world like we love the Father. And we use that as an excuse not to speak the truth in people's lives, right? God is everything. God is more than enough compared to anything this world has to offer. Instead of worrying about hurting feelings, we should have the courage in Christ to go out and be the salt and the light outside those doors in a very, very dark world, right? We don't need to allow that darkness and culture to creep into the church. We do not need to avoid the world. Again, said at the beginning, we are called to be in this world, not of it. We have to proclaim the gospel message. We don't have to love the culture, right? We are commanded to love the people that are in that culture. And we should be willing to do anything it takes to send that gospel message out and snatch those people from the fire like Jude mentioned. Let's pray. <clears throat> Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I again, I just... Um, I thank you for this time here this morning. I thank you that we've been able to come together, Lord. I I pray that uh, we've just been able to, to, to gain some better insight into your will, your desire for our lives. It's so easy sometimes to pull back pull away from the world and not engage the world, Father, but you've called us to be the salt and light in this world. You've called us to be difference makers in your name, not for our own glory, but for your glory, Lord. So I just pray that you give us a boldness, um, give us a desire to speak your word, speak your truth in the lives of individuals, Uh, not words of condemnation, Lord, but words of comfort. Lord, sometimes those, those hard words are what we need to hear, and that's what the world needs to hear. So I pray that you just give us a boldness, give us a courage not to be defined what culture says is true, but that we are shaped, molded, and that we go out in the world because of what you say is true, and because of your truth, and because of your love, your grace, and mercy. And I pray that we preach the truth in love. Lord, we thank you. We love you. We pray that you go with us as we leave here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Won't you stand this morning as we sing, Change my heart, O God.
1: Thank you so much for that message that was awesome take it through the door don't leave it in here take it through the door with you at this time we have sister Carolyn is anybody with you and mr. James are coming up Uh, to make an announcement and I thank all of you for being here and Kevin and Casey we thank you so much. Brother Carvin would you come forward just a minute please? This is Pastor Appreciation Month, and on behalf of the church, we want to thank you for all the ways that you have helped us to keep going. We appreciate your challenging, inspiring messages that you give us on Sunday, your Bible teaching on Wednesday night. You're the best, and for all the other things that you do to show your love and help to us. So we want you to have this and we thank you so much.
4: Brother Ray. Yeah. (laughs) Pastor Appreciation Month. This is a Pastor Appreciation Month.
2: Okay.
4: We want you to know we appreciate the love that you have for Our church, for each individual person, for everything that you do for us. You and Carvin, y'all are the best. Thank you. And we appreciate it. We love and appreciate you. Thank you.
1: Let's close in prayer. Father God, We thank you so much. We thank you for the love. We thank you for the friendships. We thank you for the camaraderie. We thank you for your blessings and your protection. And Lord, we thank you for sending these two our way to take care of us and watch over the flock in the meantime while we're searching. Lord, we love you, we praise you, and we thank you. And in Jesus' name. We pray, amen. Yes, ma'am. at a loss for words which doesn't happen very often um let's have a prayer for their family father god we come to you on behalf of kelly and chris and papa and the rest of their family lord we thank you for the life of ken who's such a wonderful person such a wonderful friend And we know that he's with you now. We know that he is free of pain. We know he's rejoicing. But as Pastor Ray said earlier, selfishly, we're sad from what we've lost. Lord, please just protect them and give them the strength and the courage and the peace and the comfort that they need. And help us to be the people that they need. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a good day.